time, weather, and... Always pass. Hey, Thing Minute listeners. Uh, This is a little bit of a different episode. Upcoming guest of the show, Alan Sanders, has a radio show that he runs every morning and invited me to be on the show to talk about the podcast, which is awesome. So uh, this past Saturday, I was on the show to kind of just chat about how it got started and, you know, why I chose this movie. And uh, he's a huge fan of this movie as well. So we just we kind of talk a little bit about the movie and the different kind of things we love about it. So take a minute to uh, listen and enjoy if you'd like. Am I playing that? (laughs) Well, if you have seen the movie or if you're a fan of John Carpenter, you know he uses some of the same kinds of sounds, some of that synth sound, that very ominous undertone, the repetition of certain notes over and over again. This is the main title for John Carpenter's The Thing. Came out in 1982, 35 years ago. Uh, I wish it had been part of a Fathom Events thing. I just got done uh, seeing Wrath of Khan in the theaters, and I know E.T. is getting ready to be re-released in theaters, and the group Fathom Events takes classic movies that we all grew up with. (laughs) I say we all. Maybe some of you are not old enough to remember some of these movies in the theater. You saw them on video. But uh, they're, they're, they take movies that I know I saw in the theater when I was growing up, and they're bringing them back for limited releases, sometimes one day, sometimes two or three days. And uh, The Thing is one I would love to catch on the big screen. Joining me now on the phone is Harper W. Harris. Uh, it's harperwharris.com, audio engineer, uh, day job generally uh, around microphones and around so- uh, sound audio equipment, mixing and, ma- and making movies happen on the audio side. But he's got a special project and I want to bring him on to talk about his The Thing Minute. Good morning, Harper. How are you? Hey, good morning, Alan. How are you doing? Great to have you here. Now, it seems like we're playing role reversal because not that long ago, you asked me to be part of your podcast, and I uh, had to be interviewed by you. <laughs> now I'm turning around and interviewing you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, we'll talk about let's, – let's, let's set the table here for those folks. Um, why The Thing Minute? Why did you decide to break down the movie The Thing one minute at a time? Sure. So um, – there are these guys that uh, a couple years ago started a podcast called the Star Wars Minute, and um, with, with the whole Star Wars mania kind of starting back up with The Force Awakens a couple years back, I got really into that podcast, and they do basically the same thing where they break down the Star Wars movies one minute at a time. So they take one minute of the movie and have, a, have an episode about it where they talk to a guest about you know all the aliens they see in the background and, and plot things and maybe some little uh, trivia about what's going on and things like that, and they've been doing that for many years, and um, pretty recently, it's become a much bigger kind of phenomenon where the example that they set has been taken up by all kinds of other people doing doing all kinds of movies. Um, so, you know, about six months ago, I started thinking, you know, that might be something kind of fun to do with, with my downtime. And um, I was trying to decide what movie to pick. And uh, it, when, I, when I thought about John Carpenter's The Thing, it just became so obvious because it's, it's a movie that had a huge impact on me and, and kind of made me the horror movie fan that I am today. And um, it's also a movie that has uh, a ton of depth and is still, you know, 35 years later, a movie that people are talking about and discussing and having having their own kind of fan theories about. So it just seemed like an obvious movie to, to be able to have those kind of discussions about. 
Well, I don't know how it came across or how you decided to include me, but I know I was thrilled to be part of it because I remember seeing it for the very first time. I did not get to see it in theater. I was only 11 years old when it came out in the movie theaters, 11 and a half. Um, I did go see Wrath of Khan in the theaters by myself. We saw E.T., but we didn't go see the thing. My mom and dad had a thing about, hey, that's R-rated. You're not going. So, <laughs> uh, But I did see it on video shortly, or, or actually um, the the early vestiges of pay-per-view television. Uh, we had a service up in Michigan when I grew up was called On Television, which was basically your first sign of cable TV where you could get movies like this right into your own home television. <laughs> And so I saw the thing when I was probably 13 or 14, I think it was 14, and it has never left me. It has left, it's like it's like the movie Jaws, the movie Alien, and the movie uh, The Thing. Those are some of those movies, or The Exorcist and, and Amityville Horror for that matter, that left such an indelible mark. I am always, I always have these images in my head from when I was little seeing these. Yeah, I mean, I mean, same for me. I didn't, I didn't see it until I was probably in, I think, maybe middle school or so, and um, you know, I think we've probably talked about this on the show, but it's, it's interesting that, you know, you saw it kind of on home video or, or TV in the same way. And that's really how the movie gained its kind of cult following. Now, it was not a success in theaters at all. Um, you know, it, it came out just after E.T., which was this, you know, kind of lovable alien family movie. Uh, and then two weeks later comes out this movie about aliens that, you know, transform in these gory, nasty looking transformations and, and take over people. It's a very scary movie. So it just it really did not do well, and um, but you know many many years later it's got such a cult following. But for me it was it was the movie that uh, you know my my cousin was trying to make me watch horror movies because I hated them and he was way into them, and uh, I made him promise to tell me the parts where uh, where something was going to jump out at me and then I would watch them. <laughs> so he uh, so this was one of the first ones he showed me, and and uh, it just it it grabbed me, and and it's a movie that's kind of haunted me and 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 made a huge impact on me and just really showed me what kind of horror movies and science fiction movies can do. Kind of sad that they chose to release it so close to E.T. It's almost like they were trying to punish John Carpenter at the time. And honestly, the reviews were completely unfair about the movie. Mm -hmm. I, I went back and I think you even covered them, some of your podcasts so far. Uh, what, not qualified to direct traffic, let alone a movie, was one of the worst <laughs> ones I heard. Uh, yeah. And then I go back and, and as we looked at it, and again, a movie that made such an impact has to be more than just fluff. It's not just popcorn and bubblegum and, you know, just a bunch of blood splatter. And it had to be more than that to still be affecting me and you and others 35 years after its release. And I think the initial critics didn't really understand what they were watching. No, I think that's definitely true. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the kind of impact of e that E.T. had really had, a, had an effect on it, unfortunately. But I think, um, you know... I, this movie is known in a lot of circles as, you know, this kind of gory special effects driven movie. And that's a big part of it. And the special effects are incredible. But um, as something you and I talked about on the podcast, uh, for sure, is that it's so much more than that, that there's it's also this masterpiece of tension and suspense and mystery and science fiction. And it's it's a great character driven piece. It's a great um, you know, if you, you look at it as a, as a metaphor for the AIDS crisis or for for any kind of disease crisis. Um, it's such a, it's an incredible piece of, of movie making and every, you know, looking at it minute by minute, I'm only appreciating that more, how, how careful it's made and how, uh, you know, how much detail was put into every frame. You know, and we, we both know this from our background in film as well. Uh, John Carpenter did a great job capturing the images, but I think it is very well edited as well. And even the editor got a little grief initially when the movie came out. And I love the edits. I love the whiteouts at times to, you know, to tie in 
what happens, I mean, that actually happens in terms of your ability to see in the Arctic when you have a, a blizzard or a storm, you get what's known as a whiteout. You can't see anything. And to use that as fade-ins and fade-outs to go to harken back to the 50s and 60s style of, of suspense filmmaking with the fade-outs with a shadow on the wall, I like that. And when you go back and watch it now, I, I think so few movies today take the time to build that tension. They don't. They don't really give you that sort of like it takes what almost 30 minutes before the first time we we realize who the true bad guy is yeah it's really kind of incredible that's something i never noticed just watching it on my own that you really almost don't even know what the movie's about or what the central kind of conflict is going to be until 30 or almost 40 minutes into the movie which you know it's just kind of a a testament to carpenter's restraint to be able to kind of you know, wait that out and build the tension up to that point before you before the first kind of transformation happens, and that makes it so much scarier when it happens. But yeah, I mean, like you said, um, the the editor Todd Ramsey took a lot of flack for that kind of old school kind of editing, but that's that's one of the things that I really dig about the movie is that it's it really does kind of bridge the gap between classic horror and modern horror too, and that it does use a lot of those kind of old fashioned techniques to to build tension and to to kind of give this almost like a haunted house feel at times as well, and and. It just all works so well together. Well, we also should probably uh, mention the cinematographer who kind of went on to direct one or two small other pictures, but Dean Cundy uh, sort of cut his teeth with this one and really exploded from here with uh, you know things like Jurassic Park and and other movies. I mean, I think even the Back to the Future series. He he became one of the probably the most known cinematographers, or at least you'd know his movies. Oh yeah, and this was. This was pretty relatively early on in his career, and it, it's funny. Before I started doing the podcast, I didn't really know him by name, but after I uh, after I started, you know, looking into it and seeing the the insane amount of credits that he has on IMDb, and you know, some of my favorite movies, like you mentioned, Jurassic Park is, is another one that you know is one of my all time favorites. Uh, he's definitely one of my favorite cinematographers now, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and the thing he does such a, a great job of kind of providing. This, uh, an excellent sense of color and contrast. The, the movie in, at times almost looks black and white because it's so they're out in the dark in the snow and that's almost all you can see. But then there's all this tinting of like these, you know, very rich blue lights and, and these kind of bright reds and greens when you get into the kind of transformation scene. So, you know, in, a, in an age well before color correction was, was kind of the norm for movies. Uh, he did a fantastic job of making the movie just look beautiful. It's a, it's a gorgeous looking movie. All right, so there are people out there who say, well, I don't like gory movies. I'm not into splatter movies or slasher movies. What would you say to try to convince them that that's not what this movie is, even though there is a, a large amount of, of what I would call biological gore, but when you're talking about an alien life form that absorbs or takes over or can transform, that kind of goes with it. It's almost like werewolf transformations. To me, that's not necessarily gory, but it is something that could be horrific to look at. Sure. No, I mean, yeah, like we said, it, it is known for those kind of gory moments and those special effects. That's certainly the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people. But, yeah, I mean, for somebody who's necessarily not a huge fan of, like, horror movies or gory, things like that, you can um, – this movie is very different in the sense that, you know, unlike a slasher movie where, you know, kind of the thrill of the movie is, like, waiting for the next kill and seeing, oh, well, how is this guy going to get it? And, you know, just kind of, you know, almost cheering for the bad guy in a lot of sense. Um, the thing is not about that at all. And it's actually every time somebody is kind of taken over or, or killed or goes missing, it's, it's a, it's really kind of painful and it, it's, it's done really well in a way that you, you really feel that loss. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not kind of, you know, a, 
thrilling at the at the kill, but it's also a movie that's just incredibly intelligent. Um, it's a movie that you can look at in a lot of different lights and, and kind of read a lot of different things into it. So, you know, you can kind of turn off that that horror movie part of your brain and watch it as you know, kind of a uh, you know, as an intelligent you know moviegoer, almost like you're reading a book, and you can definitely enjoy it in that sense too. One of the things I love about the movie is it does roll several different kinds of storytelling into one. You've got the mystery, which I think is ultimately underneath everything. I mean, the the short story it was based off of, or the novella, was called Who Goes There? Nobody knows who's who. How do you know if someone's been taken over? Do you know yourself if you've been taken over or slowly? Because they, they introduce the element that not only can it assimilate in a more violent way, which we've seen several times in the movie, but there's also the sense of the cellular takeover that maybe you can be infected and slowly lose your cells as they assimilate the cells versus assimilate the entire structure. So I think the thing, I'm not sure, and I love it because it's so open-ended, I'm not sure if this alien creature from another world absorbs people because every now and then it has to have food and that's the way it feeds itself versus infecting people, which is a way of propagating its species. It's kind of an interesting thing because there's no 100% clear-cut answer to the movie. No, and again, that's one of the reasons I thought this would be such a fun movie to kind of discuss on the podcast in such depth, because the movie does not really set out the, the rules of how it works extremely clearly, which I think is a positive, because it, it it leaves the movie open to a lot of interpretation, and honestly, I think it makes it a lot scarier, because you don't necessarily know exactly what's going on, so you don't know, you can't kind of predict what's going to happen next, because like you say, we don't even know necessarily how the transformation works. We don't know whether the thing, uh, you know, kills somebody and then hides their body and then takes them over, or, or in some cases, or if it infects you, like with a pinprick, and then can slowly take you over. And we don't even know if whether you're taken over by the thing, whether you can, uh, whether you still have your own thoughts or not. It, it, you know, there are some arguments to be made that you don't even know yourself whether you've been taken over, and maybe you're just being kind of subtly influenced by the thing. So there's all kinds of interpretations and, and things, and that's that's part of the fun of the movie. And, and one of the things I've had really fun with on the podcast is kind of getting everybody's different takes on it. Folks, if you're just now tuning in and joining us here, we've got Harper W. Harris joining us on the phone from The Thing Minute Project, or it's, it's thethingminute.com. It's his podcast project, breaking down John Carpenter's horror, suspense, sci-fi masterpiece, one minute at a time. We've got to take a short time out here. We've got to pay some bills with our sponsors. Harper, we'll be right back with you. We want to talk more about the project where people can listen and uh, what the goal of the project was for you. Think about that when we're taking this break. We'll be right back. back everyone to waking up with alan here on a saturday and yeah you're saying what is that creepy music what is what are you doing it's saturday morning it's bright it's sun-filled what are we doing we're talking about john carpenter's the thing and that's another alternate version of his classic theme if you've heard that song once if you've seen the movie once it's almost like the jaws theme you just you get that sense of this ongoing powerful engine driving at you that you've got no way of stopping and no escape welcome back harper w harris with HarperWHarris.com, audio engineer by day, podcaster by night, or I don't know when you do your podcasting, but <laughs> thethingminute.com is the website. You also have it via uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Harper, let's talk about how people can listen to people breaking down the thing one minute at a time. 
Sure. So, um, you know, most people get their podcast through iTunes, so you can search for it in the iTunes store. Or um, if you go to thethingminute.com, there's a link to the iTunes page on there that'll take you right to it. But uh, we're also on all kinds of different uh, podcast uh, websites, you know, things like Stitcher and Podcast Aggregator and, and everything like that. So kind of any way you want to get your podcast, you can get it that way. But you can also just go to the website and, and listen to it directly on the website as well. Got to be honest, as much as I'm involved with radio, and, I, and because I listen to so much radio and news, and, and that tends to be my, my niche, my area of expertise, I haven't been much into podcasting. So thanks to you, I not only very quickly learned how to subscribe, which, by the way, folks, it's free. It's not There's no charge for this podcast. But I learned how to very quickly tweak my settings to automatically bring it down every morning when I get done with radio. It, there it is. I go to my car and on my way home. I'm listening to that day's episode of The Thing Minute. It automatically downloads, and I have it set that as soon as I finish playing, clear it so it doesn't take up a lot of room on my phone. Of course, I have a lot of room. I don't take a lot of pictures and videos. I'm not into filming my food, and a lot of people do that with their phones. (laughs) But um, it's been fantastic. And, And, Harper, I told you, I have not missed a single episode. I know that's awesome. You're you're definitely one of the biggest fans of the show, man. It's great. Well, you know what? And I, here's the thing. I was telling you about because I've had a fascination with huskies, and I and I'm pretty sure when I think about it, it has to originate with the thing. I have a fascination for sharks. I will one day. My bucket list is I want to do a great white shark dive because when I saw Jaws as a kid, I had been mesmerized by that movie. To me, it is still one of the all time best movies ever made. Um, I tell my daughters. Uh, that are now in college. I said, if you ever want to look at the t- the perfect three act structure on film, go watch Jaws. It's it's it, it's the three act structure like nobody's ever been able to to capture in my mind uh, as effectively in a movie that does both horror and thrill and excitement and chase and adventure. It's so much all rolled into one. And I think the thing when I saw it. I fell in love with the dog, and I know the dog. For, spoiler alert: was a bad guy, <laughs> but. <laughs> I love Huskies. I've loved any movies with Huskies, and I have had, since uh, since I've been an adult, uh, either Malamutes or Huskies, at least in my house. And uh, one of my uh, Malamutes died three years ago from old age, and my other uh, Husky mix just died last, uh, or th- just a few months ago, actually, just as I was adopting another Husky. So I've, I've still got at least a Husky in my house, and uh, I think it's because of the thing. Yeah, I mean, it's that, that's funny that, you know, it is kind of the villain of the movie, but I, I guess maybe you're kind of attracted to that if you like the shark and Jaws. <laughs> maybe there's just something wrong with me. <laughs> now I just need to go find the vomit-spitting doll, and I'll have my uh, my exorcist, you know, fix taken care of. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, it is a it is far beyond the typical splatter, gore, nonsense movie that, you know, there's a, there's a niche market for people who just want to see the goriest effects or, you know, how people can be creatively killed in multiple ways. This is not Jason. This is not your slasher movies. This is not, uh, you know, those typical, it's not even a modern style of horror st- uh, storytelling. This is very much mystery. It's paced. It's a thriller. It's, it's, it, it's, there's a haunted house segment in the sense of learning things and discovering things in the shadows. Slowly it builds. Um, there are a few jump scares because every good scary movie should have them, but it uses them appropriately, not just for this cheap scare. No, and and, it's, and I would argue too that it's got some of the best jump scares. It only has a handful, but a, uh, a couple of them, especially I would say the the blood test scene that's uh, towards the end of the movie is one of the scariest jump scares ever. Um, it's, it's a scene that you know until I started watching the movie minute by minute like this. I kind of always forgot when it was going to happen, so it was something that always scared me every time I watched it, and I, I think that's kind of awesome. <laughs> I love I love when a movie that I know what's coming can still make me jump. 
Yeah, definitely. And this is one of those movies that, I don't know about you, there's, there's those handful of movies. If I stumble across it, I don't care where it is midstream, that's it. I, I'm, I'm not channel surfing anymore. I'm just going to watch it to the end. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there, I have a, a couple of movies like that. But, yeah, this is certainly one of them I, I cannot you know, step away from. All right, so let's talk for a minute. John Carpenter has had a fairly eclectic career. He's known as a horror guy. He introduced us to Michael Myers with Halloween. He, of course, had uh, The Thing, which was a horror sci-fi thriller. Um, We had uh, Prince of Darkness. He's done Into the Mouth of Madness. Christine, an adaptation. I thought probably until, and and, and if you ask me as far as all the Stephen King movie adaptations, until um, the the, the prison movie, which, by the way, just popped out of my head, uh, Green Mile? No, no, not the, the one before that. Um, Shawshank? Shawshank, thank you. Until Shawshank, I thought Christine was the closest in way in, in taking in a Stephen King mo- book and turning it into a decent movie. So he has a lot of horror in his background, but he also did Starman. He also did uh, Big Trouble in Little China. So it's not like John Carpenter's only a horror director. No, and it's it's funny. One of the one of the kind of things that I discovered, you know, doing the podcast that I didn't know before is the way he met Kurt Russell, who, you know, Kurt Russell's in four or five of his movies, one of his kind of standard actors. He met Kurt Russell by directing him in an uh, Elvis uh, biopic that was on TV. So, you know, he's certainly got a lot of range, even though he's, he's you know, definitely known as kind of a, I mean, his, his Twitter handle is the horror master. <laughs> right. So, but he, he definitely has a lot of range and has done all kinds of different things, which is, I, I think, uh, comes across in a movie like The Thing, where you really see kind of how his, his different talents all come into play. I, and that's exactly where I was going to go with this. When it comes to a director, he doesn't forget that there are audience members who want to know who are these characters, why should I care? He understands pacing. He understands delivery. He understands music. He understands atmosphere, and it all plays into it. It's not just about I'm telling a a, a gory thriller movie. I'm just or a, a monster movie. He remembers all of the different layers, and he does layer this movie with a lot to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a movie that you know I, I thought I might get bored with or, or kind of irritated with watching it a million times and talking about it for hours and hours with, with this podcast, but. It's it's been the exact opposite because every time I, I dig into it or every time I talk to somebody about it, I learn something new or, or you know see a way to to see it in a different perspective because it's it's a movie that's just so well crafted. It's I mean it's a masterpiece in in every sense of the word to me. Well, this is a cool project. I know we're almost out of time, Harper. Uh, if somebody is listening and they want to learn a little bit more about it, I, I know you said it earlier, but let's go ahead and remind people how do they subscribe, learn about it, read about it? What, what where do f- people find it? Sure. So you can go to thethingminute.com, and that, uh, you can listen to the episodes directly on the website, or at the bottom of the page, you can click on the iTunes link, and that'll open up iTunes and, and take you to it there, where you can subscribe or just download a few episodes if you want to try it out. And from there, you can put it on your phone or your iPod or, or whatever you're listening on. Um, you can also get it on any of the other podcast aggregators, like uh, Stitcher or um, Podcast Addict or anything like that. Um, and then, yeah, you can always follow us on Twitter at The Thing Minute or go to Facebook.com slash The Thing Minute to, uh, you know, join in the conversation and, and talk, give us your theories about the movie. And what I love about it as we wrap up here is you basically bring in a guest for about a week. So it's going to be different voices. There's some weeks where I'm like, I don't agree with these people at all on half of their assessments. <laughs> but that's kind of the fun of it as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, uh, your your week is coming up soon on September 25th. You've you got minutes 36 through 40, which is some really good ones. We get to talk about the UFO. So, um, yeah, all kinds of fun people have been on, on the show and, and, and some more uh, interesting folks coming up soon. Awesome. Harper, thanks so much for being here on Waking Up with Alan. I appreciate you taking time early on a Saturday. Yeah, thank you, Alan. All right, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.
All right, that's it for hour number two. Told you how fast that would go. It's now 9 o'clock. Top of the- a huge thanks to Alan again for having me on the show. It was a blast to be on. That was a really fun experience to, to do something live like that and to talk about the show. And if you enjoyed this episode and you're in the Atlanta area, you can listen to Alan do the show every Saturday morning from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., on uh, FM 100.3 or AM 1450. Uh, You can also go to TuneIn.com and search for WBHF and listen online no matter where you are. So um, definitely support Alan. It was really nice of him to uh, to have me on the show, and and it was fantastic to have him on our show as well. Uh, Definitely make sure to check out Alan's Minutes. They're coming up on September 25th. Uh, those are some really fun ones where we get to talk about the uh, the UFO being discovered under the ice and all that stuff. So uh, we had a really good time talking about uh, the matte paintings and and the special effects in those sequences and and some of the uh, some of the acting and blocking bits as well. We had a really good time. So check those out for sure. But in the meantime, come back this week for Spencer Perry, the associate editor from ComingSoon.net. So we get to talk all about some dog thing transformation and nastiness. So we had a really good time talking about that as well. Uh, Thanks again for listening and we'll see you all next week.